Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Today, uh, we are talking about food, one of my favorite things to talk about, but not in the way that we have in the past. So if you've listened to past episodes on food, it's been around food and mood and self-regulation and and more things geared towards kids, what to feed them, things like that. But today, we are going into food in terms of stress management, self-care, preventative healthcare and well-being. So a couple of things I want to go over with you first, one of which is a lot of research about how many of us have really low levels or insufficient or deficient levels of vitamin D. So roughly around 30% of people have deficient vitamin D and about 75% don't quite fall into the deficient category, but they fall into the not quite enough category. So that's, that's a huge, huge number of the population. Why does this matter? Why am I even caring to start with (laughs) these fun science facts? It's because there are a lot of, um, impacts and effects of of vitamin D and a a lot of them being related to exhaustion, like fogginess of the brain, uh, productivity, things like that. So I've talked to many, many people, especially people in education who tend to put in long hours, who got their vitamins tested, realized vitamin levels tested, realized they were low in vitamin D, started supplementing with a a natural vitamin D and uh, within 24 hours, noticed the difference in their energy levels and their sleeping and all of those things. So one, I would encourage you to get your vitamin levels tested by your PCP, a doctor, naturopath, anyone. You can even do this online. You can like order a, a, a test and send it into a lab. Uh, so try that. If nothing else, um, you probably could guess that you're deficient in vitamin D, probably take a lower dose vitamin D supplement is something that I do. I don't always get my levels tested, but I do take vitamin D. Okay, that's your fun science fact. What else about food helps us to function better, sleep better, prevent illness, anxiety, depression, mood, anything? What, What do we need to consider? Superfoods. So there are tons and tons and tons of different types of food, superfoods. I'm going to give you just a few examples, but uh, 
eating these helps to helps with a lot of things around your brain and helps to create new neurons, new neural connections, things to wire and fire better together. So trying to add more of these things to your diet, what are they? Avocados, beans, blueberries, broccoli, any dark leafy greens, flax, flaxseed. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, I, I will put flaxseed in my smoothies and, and blend them up. Oats, same thing. Uh, flax and oats uh, and brewer's yeast, all good for lactation if you are a uh, expecting or uh, breastfeeding mother. Pure olive oil, pure coconut oil, pomegranates, pumpkin, soy, tofu, salmon, green or black tea, turkey, walnuts, and like good, clean, non-overly sweetened <laughs> yogurts. So all things that we really should, if we can, include more of in our diet uh, or in our eating plan. Also things like black rice, good. Uh, dark chocolate, again, if it's not overly sweet. Plums are great. Figs are great. Kiwis, mushrooms are immunomodulating. That's good. We like that. And some different types of seeds are really good. And coffee can be good. The thing with coffee is most, I would say 90% of coffees in the world are harvested with mold problems. Mold grows on the beans. And it's not, it's not like a, a bad thing. It's a, it's a very natural occurring thing because a lot of coffee beans grow in, in more tropical climates. So naturally the, the dampness causes the mold to develop. Uh, that said, I'm sharing this because mold in your coffee beans, even after roasting them, it doesn't get everything out. So you drink that coffee and the mold is really disruptive to your gut biome and your overall health and causes your immune system to have to do more work. So there are such a thing as clean coffees. There are not many of them. And frankly, most of them that do exist are a little bit more expensive. And that, that makes sense. It's really hard to <laughs> grow beans without mold. But you will notice if you go without your traditional coffee for a while, especially like a Starbucks or a Dunkin', and you don't do coffee at all, and you have coffee again, or that type of coffee, you will probably notice that your stomach is not quite responding the way that you had remembered because you've detoxed from the mold and other potentially harmful things in those beans, and then you've reintroduced it and it's, it, it proves problems for the gut. But um, there is a brand that I like to use that is not too terribly expensive. I get it online for about $10 a bag, which is cheaper than some other um, higher craft coffees that are not clean. And it's called Kicking Horse. So I really love Kicking Horse. And so far, so good. No stomach aches, no problems, no digestive backlash from the coffee. So sidebar on coffee. The other thing to consider is eating organic foods without pesticides, without hormones, without fertilizers, because all of these things are incredibly disruptive to your gut biome. And you're, I keep bringing up gut biome because your gut biome is like your second brain or your it's, um, directly connected to your brain. So it directly connects to your functioning, your sleep, your well-being, your mood, all these things. So really important to 
eat foods without these artificial things added to them because they are so disruptive to your gut biome, therefore disruptive to your brain. And not only does it make it harder to stay healthy, not get sick, be productive, um, keep your mood stabilized, but by adding these things or having these things, these hormones, fertilizers, pesticides, it will cause, again, your immune system to do more work and you'll get sick more frequently and it can lead to long-term disease. So most of the foods in the U.S. anymore are made with these things naturally because they propel um, or repel, <laughs> propel um, bugs and pests and hence pesticides and help things to grow bigger, stronger, faster. But that's why if you've ever been to like um, Europe and you taste a fruit or vegetable from Europe versus the United States, it will taste so much more flavorful and it will mold and go bad much quicker because it doesn't have some of those preservatives added to it and doesn't have some of the fertilizers that kind of remove all the flavor. The upside of adding those artificial things is that you can grow more, you can grow bigger, you can grow faster, you can grow longer. It's harder to grow things without those additives. And those additives can do a lot of damage to our internal system, especially like hormones that are added to beef, uh, chicken, milk, dairy products. So just be mindful of, can you buy organic or at least cleaner foods and cheaper ways to do this might be buying from a farmer's market. Or I like to take part in something called a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. If you search it and search CSA near me, you'll find probably some, some places. So basically a CSA is from farm to buyer. So it skips the farmer's market, it skips the grocery store, it skips the middleman or the middle place. So you basically buy direct from the farmer and during their growing season, they package up boxes of produce. Sometimes they'll do uh, meats and dairies too, if they're meat or, or dairy farms. And they um, you either pay for the whole season in advance or you pay weekly and it's much cheaper than buying from the grocery store. So that's a way to get reduced uh, clean produce. And also there are places like um, online, they're imperfect foods or misfits markets because they're things that were either overproduced, the, get, they're getting closer to the expiration date or they just have like a funky shape. Like a lot of produce will be sold on those, those places because they didn't look nice enough to go into the grocery store. So they have to be sold at a, a cheaper reduced rate. So I will order from any of those places to save some money, but still be able to eat cleanly. It's an investment for sure, but think about the return on investment. It means you're not going to the doctor. You're not paying medical bills. You're not wasting that time, energy, and being exposed by, to more germs by having to frequent the doctor. So, and just longevity of life, you're less likely to get illness and all that stuff. So if you want to learn more about the American food industry, and what we add to our foods and how that impacts our health and all the studies that have been done, Robin O'Brien, the name Robin O'Brien, Google it. She has a couple of Ted talks and a book. She kind of, she's a food analyst and she dissects all of this and breaks it down so someone can understand what's really going on in the American food industry. So super, super interesting. Another good thing to think about too, is if you cannot financially buy more or any uh, organic um, chemical free pesticide hormone free foods 
check out the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. They are produce options that are produced, uh, it's a list that's produced every year, two lists, Clean 15, Dirty Dozen. The Clean 15 are the, the 15 fruits and vegetables that are the cleanest to buy, meaning you don't need to buy organic because of the thick skins of these fruits and produces produce options, they repel a lot of the chemicals, hormones, pesticides, all those things. The dirty dozen are the 12 worst things to buy non-organically because they do have a lot of residue of pesticides, fertilizers, all those things. They've been tested and they get retested every year. So those lists are published every year. So at least you could follow the lists on there and try not to buy things on the dirty dozen that are not organic and try to buy things on the clean 15 if you're going to buy more conventionally and shop the exterior of the grocery store. Everything on the interior in those aisles is either processed or boxed or you know, something is, is in there to stabilize it from going bad versus the exterior of the grocery store is your meats, your produce, your dairy, all the healthier, cleaner items for you. If you're gonna snack, do popcorns, carrots, raisins, rice cakes, uh, some energy bars, yogurt's good, mixed nuts, dried fruits, fresh fruits, veggie sticks, they're all great options. Try to just not buy snacks that are not healthy. If you don't have them in your house, they're a lot harder to eat. So make sure that when you buy snacks that they are closer to your superfoods or they just aren't poor snack options. And there's usually a healthy alternative for every um, poor, poor choice. There are a lot of people on social media, like the, the one that I always remember, because I just remember her, her like handle, her name is the food babe. <laughs> and she does a lot of swaps. It's like, if you buy Oreos, here's a healthier alternative. If you buy this brand of cereal, here's a healthier alternative. And she kind of explains why. So that's a good thing to plug into as well. All right, lots of food-based stuff. Again, all of this stuff good to use preventatively because it it <laughs> used before you get sick keeps you from getting sick. It just helps you to function better overall. All right, I'm gonna get off my food. <laughs> Whatever I'm on pedestal right now. <laughs> and switch gears to our listener question, which is how do we teach respect for others? So someone had asked, how do I teach kids in my class or my own kids to respect others? Because right now I'm not doing that. Well, I say the first thing is you have to give it. Respect begets respect. So make sure that we are communicating and interacting in a way with our children that shows them respect. A lot of times we will just kind of domineer, dominate authoritarian rule over kids. And you have to listen to me because I'm your parent, because I said so. And that isn't giving respect. So if you don't give it, it's harder to get it in return. So give it first. You're really mindful about your communication. Try to use communication that talks to the child, even the young child as an equal and not always as an authority over them. So there's a whole series. I actually, I am so passionate feeling about this particular topic about communication with kids that I created an entire course, the communication course on our website that runs through seven different communication tactics where it communicates with kids, teaches you to communicate with kids on a more even playing field in a way that really gets 
them what they want, gets you what you want, but does so in a respectful way and is not a dominating way of communicating over and with kids. And a very subtle shift in communication, little tiny tactics, micro tactics that are easy shifts and make a huge, huge, huge difference. So being very mindful of your communication, just the words you use, how you use them, when you use them, the tone you use them with, and your body language around it. The other thing too is I, I would model it. Make sure that you're modeling and showing respect to others around you, to the interactions that you have, to your, your partner, your family, your spouse. Uh, if you model it, they see it. What they see, they do. That's thanks to mirror neurons in our brain. So be sure to, to model it. The last and final step would be like this explicit s- explaining or instruction of what is respect and how do we show it and what isn't respect or what's disrespectful. Maybe they just need a clear picture of what is and what isn't respectful. So a couple different options there. That takes us to our try at home tip, which I'm going to encourage you to, to look up the clean 15 and choose one item on the clean 15 that you will buy more of this week when you do your grocery shopping. That is your challenge for the week. And that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our try at home tip, which is choose one item from the clean 15 list. And if you have a burning question that you would like me to answer on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send a text to 717-693-7744. And don't forget to lock in what you learned today or apply it right away by either teaching it to someone else, dropping a comment below and letting me know what stuck out or what was your biggest takeaway and uh, sharing this episode with someone else and talking about what you learned. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer. And thank you for joining me.